Welcome to After All, the cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm your other host, Sylvia McCon. Welcome to the show, guys. We're back with another episode. This one, a little bit of sweet, and also just kind of sweet. Uh, party is such sweet sorrow. Mary is offered a job to produce her own show at another television station. So, spoiler alert, uh, Mom was right. Uh, she stays. She stays. She stays. She Otherwise, stay. how can you continue with although, seven seasons? Although, it was close. It was close. My assumption was that maybe she would go to the other station and they'd fight to get her back or something. Right. Because clearly she comes back at the very least. But, lo and behold, she never actually leaves. So, this was kind of interesting. Like, I mean, it's not... There's not a lot at play here yeah. it's all kind of very front and center mary's been offered this job by another uh television network to produce her own show for women i think it's called the, the women. ladies show the ladies it show. will be a talk show for ladies about lady things about lady things which i think is so quaint that they even use the word lady they do use lady don't they they, they don't do say, they don't or, say it's women. not the women's show it's not the, the women's show. show it's the ladies show and so, or the ladies' talk show. Something like that, yeah. The precursor to Oprah. Yes. <laughs> and who would be who would be very inspired by Mary? She was. Yeah, Oprah yes. hugely. Huge. That's hugely right. So. Yes, I forgot about that. So she gets offered this job and it's more money, and it's a private office, secretary, and she doesn't want it. And my first gut instinct instinct is to say why the hell not? Well, which, doesn't Phyllis say that or something? Yeah, Phyllis basically says, what, why not? Why not? And Rhoda says, why not? Yeah, like this sounds great. More money, you know, yeah. a, a better budget for clothes. You know, you won't yes. have to be so tight with money every month. You'll get to meet new people and potentially more guys. Like this is, this is all good. Everything that could come from this is good. Exactly. But and she says no because she's going to miss the people she loves in Who she her works own with already at WMJ world. WJM, not WMJ. WJM. WJM. Yes. So, and and that's perfectly admirable, mm-hmm. but ultimately it comes down to that she can't afford to stay. She does need a raise. And there's a really wonderful, short conversation the night that she's announcing to Phyllis and Rhoda, I got a new job, let's pop the champagne and celebrate, and they decide not to because she kind of sits on the fence. Phyllis flat out says, well, then here you have two choices. You either ask Lou for a raise, you ask him to... No, she doesn't even say ask him for a raise. She says ask him to meet their price. Right. Like, specifically, which is really amazingly forward for the time. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Completely. Ask him to, to meet their price, or you go and take this new job. Is it good news or bad news, Mary? Phyllis, since when do you agree bad news with champagne? Champagne? Mary... 
I didn't know they even made it in Idaho. <laughs> so, what's the news? So, the news is that I have been offered a new job to produce a women's talk show at another television station. Mary, produce! Yes. Producer! Oh, <laughs> it means a lot more money. It means my own office oh. and a private secretary. Hey, and you'll meet new guys and you'll be able to afford a whole new wardrobe. Right? <laughs> and I don't want to do it. Oh, yeah. Money, guys, glamour, who wants that? If you don't want the job, then why the champagne? Because I'm going to have to take this job. I, 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 I can't afford not to. So I am trying to convince myself that I'm really happy about it. So why don't we have some champagne and uh, celebrate my new job? Why don't we? <laughs> because I don't want a new job. <laughs> I mean, it, I will be leaving a lot of people that I love, and I, I feel like a traitor to Mr. Grant. Oh, that's ridiculous. Your only loyalty should be to yourself. But Phil, Mr. Grant took a big chance on me. I mean, when he hired me, I was completely inexperienced. That's like saying that I owe Lars something for marrying me because I was completely yeah. inexperienced. <laughs> Mary, uh, uh, take the job. Oh. You owe it to yourself. Just don't know. Mary, look, if you don't want to leave, go in and Lou Grant and demand a raise. Oh, Rhoda, I could get a raise. What I need is a raise. It, it's, it's painfully simple. There are two choices here. A, Lou Grant meets your price, or B, you quit. You're right. It is. It's painfully simple. Well, I guess we don't need this yet. Hey, Mary, next time you uh, throw a party, would you let us know beforehand if you can open the bottle? And she's, and she's dead right. She's she is dead right. absolutely spot on yep. in ways that, again, in 1971, was probably thought of as fairly revolutionary that mm -hmm. a woman would demand... A raise. A raise. Mm -hmm. And to to meet the competitor's uh, uh, price. Yes. Essentially, because that's what that is. Well, exactly, yeah. And nowadays, can... you would think, yeah, absolutely, that's what you do. You want to keep me? Meet that price. Yep. Completely. And it's it's very in keeping with, with Phyllis's character. She's blunt. She's frank. She's to the point. And she has that kind... She's just... She has a mind for these kinds of things where it's, no, this is a very simple thing. This is not an emotional decision, nor should it be. And if emotion has to factor into it, then you still need to be pragmatic. You True. still need to think about your own financial stability. And she's, and she's right, mm -hmm. but that's not Mary's That's not way. Mary's way, no. Having said that, Phyllis hasn't worked a day in her life mm -hmm. that we know of. Well, she tried to. I know she tried to, and Mary had to fire her, yeah, and Lars it. had to fire her. So it's very easy for her to kind of say, "Well, just do this and just do that." Obviously, she's not emotionally invested mm -hmm. in Mary's work life, so no. for her to say, "Just do that," is easy. It's easy for any of us to say that. It's it's true, but she's not flippant about it. No, she's not actually. She's this is one time when she's pretty okay it's with just, her advice. Yeah, it's yeah. just run of the mill, very useful pragmatism. Except when she gives the analogy of, of Bess, Bess and Camp. It's a little oversimplistic. Yeah. She tries to explain to Mary, because Mary doesn't want to leave. She loves Lou and, 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 and Ted and, and Murray yeah, and Gordy, and, and she loves working with all of them, and that's her family. It's her work family. And mm -hmm. I, everybody's been there when they get a job. that the, the job itself isn't really the perk. It's the people that you work with that make it feel wonderful. 
and it's your work family and that's that's important for people to have it makes doing a, a run-of-the-mill day-to-day job very bearable no matter mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing absolutely and you know she's trying to make the comparison to Bess going away to camp and how Bess didn't want to leave and she's making this analogy that life is just a series of sequential leavings of things and we're always leaving something and it's sad but you go on to something else and it's it's a and Mary even says I'm not 12 <laughs> like she, you know, it's, it's an apt analogy to give to a young child who's trying to come to terms with that. And I suppose in this situation, it is also fairly apt. But it's she's explaining it in a fairly pandering way, I think, because she doesn't have the wherewithal to be able to explain it in any other way. Yeah, so it's an apt kind of comparison, but in this situation... She's being patronizing. She's being patronizing. And, and she's being blind to the to the age difference between a 12-year-old and an adult woman trying to make a, a, a career decision. Yes. Now, granted, this is like, as soon as she mentions it, immediately my ears perk up and I'm just like, oh my God, this is like, this is the dream. Yeah. Like, that's such a great, take it, take it, take it's it, a, go it's do, such give a it to great me. Opportunity. Reach through time, space, that's continuums it. ad nauseum and give this opportunity to me. I'll do it. That was my but, feeling too. Right? Uh, hugely. And, and I think, you know, nowadays, and... I don't know that it's true in all industries and in all professions, mm-hmm. but the sentimentality of staying within your job mm-hmm. sometimes gets overshadowed by the career opportunities that are presented to you. Yes. She didn't go seeking this. They came to her. They found her, yeah. They found her, so it would have been a great career opportunity, and I have no doubt that she would have made new friends and everything would have been fine. Yeah. Except we wouldn't have seven seasons of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Fair. But it's also just not Mary's way. No. Mary's a homebody. I mean, yeah. this move to Minneapolis was a huge decision in and of itself. Think about it. She didn't move to New York. She no. moved to Minneapolis. Yeah. Like, it's, and we've talked about that before. That yeah. it's, which also factors into her apartment being as nice as it is and, and, you know, cost of living being lower and all of these other things factoring in. But it's, you know... That's a huge shift for anybody to make, especially someone who is a little resistant to change or who likes planting roots, who likes building a family and who ultimately wants to build a family. I think she's essentially a very um, soft, kind-hearted, fairly sentimental person. Very much so. Uh, So just the fact that she is a career woman, Mm -hmm. to use the archaic terminology of the day, Mm-hmm. Um, I think makes her a little uncomfortable. She's okay with it, and she's okay doing the job that she's doing, mm-hmm. but in very tiny ways, she reverts back to being slightly subservient. Oh, yes. Yeah. Now, it could have been just because that was the, those were the days and that was the time, mm-hmm. but you don't see her necessarily as having big career aspirations front and center. Mm-hmm. It's... It's, I want to make a nice living to be part of the, the, the fabric of society in a, in a good way, mm-hmm. but not to crack that glass ceiling. Yeah. That, that, I don't think that that's ever part of her goal. It's, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not her ultimate goal. No, it's not. She kind of just wants to, I think, make a living and be happy. And it's, yeah. it's interesting how she turns into this real, I mean, she already has kind of, but how she really does turn into this kind of career woman 
who, you know, marriage isn't necessarily at the foreground of her mind, or at least it's not written that way. It's more at the foreground of someone like Rhoda's, Rhoda's mind. But she's working in an industry that perpetuates career advancement. That's really, at the time especially, geared towards, you know, the, the job that you have really dictates how you spend a lot of your time. It's, it's fairly all-consuming. Yes. And she, and she seems to really like that and like having that responsibility. And, and it, it, it makes that, it makes doing something like that with people that you love become almost a surrogate for a, an actual family unit. Yes. And that seems to be kind of her MO. Because if she was doing any other job, she'd be searching for a husband right now. True. Like, I think if she was working as just a standard run-of-the-mill secretary uh, in an office building where she didn't really have the amount of responsibility that she has. And we don't really know what she kind of does, but no. she does a lot of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think does. the place runs as well as it does because, because she's of there. her. Yeah. yeah. Completely. And I think if, if it was less so, if she was in, I suppose, a less respected position is the way to put it. Um, in a more traditional role. Female role. Female role. That, nurse, secretary, teacher. Yeah, that she would be looking for a husband in order to have children. Yes. Which was kind of at the foreground of her mind when the, when the series started. Yes. Because she moved there because he wouldn't marry her. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He yes. wouldn't. And she was just kind of like, well, it's been a certain amount of time. I'm tired I'm of waiting. Either. Time for me to do something yeah. else instead of sit here and do nothing. Yeah. And now this is what she's doing, and this is her family. So having to leave them is kind of heartbreaking for her. And she gets, you know, the, her colleagues from various different departments, none of whom we've ever met and no, none of whom we ever see. They're kind of background noise. Yeah, they're background noise, like the finance department or marketing. And they take her out for a champagne breakfast and hmm. then followed by a farewell lunch drink. And it goes on and on and on. And by the time she finally shows up to the party... She's, she's knackered. She's a little... Uh, a little shmammed. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, a little which bit. is she's kind funny. of awesome. She's drunk funny. Mary is Drunk Mary is awesome. Because she's so proper otherwise. Mm-hmm. This just kind of it's nice lets to see it her. all out. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to see her kind of let loose. Yeah. But of course, as is the way with drinking when you're sad, she starts to cry. Mm. She gets depressed and starts weeping. And Lou just kind of holds her and goes, okay, get it together. People are staring. She's like, I know, but I don't want to say goodbye. And like can't keep herself together. Aww. And I, I mean, I've never felt that attached. But like, I mean, there was a restaurant that I worked at. Hell, I guess it was almost two years ago now. And I hated the job. I hated it. I spent two years there. And it was taxing and physically exhausting. But I stayed there for two years, give or take, because I loved the people that I worked with. It felt mm-hmm. like a family. A mm-hmm. lot of us had been there for the same amount of time, some of us a little bit less. I also worked with my brother, which was really great because I literally had family there. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it makes all the difference. And you really do it feel does. sad to say goodbye, even if it's the right decision. Uh, you used to work at Women's College Hospital. I did. You did. You were lab tech, right? Yes, I was. And how did it feel... To leave there? Yeah. It was... Well, that was my first adult job of my profession, Mm -hmm. right? So I was a student there, and I went from being a student on a Friday, and after the weekend I came back and I was a... a, a, I was like a proper worker. Yeah. 
without needing supervision, so it was a little bit scary. But I was there for 11 years, and uh, I left because it was time. And it was time from a professional point of view because I had, um, I had started there as a very inexperienced person and I grew through that time. And um, by the time I left, I was ready for more responsibility. Mm -hmm. So it was the right time for me. You were like, whatever, eight months old at the time when I left that job. Um, <laughs> And the, I left for some very practical reasons. Uh, the main one was the fact that the job that I took was 10 minutes from our house. Yeah. So being Which makes a, life very convenient. It did, and it continued to for 25 years. So being a working woman with young children, uh, working close to home is, is the best thing you can do. Uh, in addition to that, it was a promotion because I was the manager of the lab at the new place. Right. And so it was, um, it was great from a professional point of view. I loved the new job. It was wonderful. However, mm -hmm. uh, apropos of leaving, I was very sad to leave. And I certainly had the idea that I would continue um, socializing with the people that I worked with in the past, and for a time I did, and then eventually you don't, because mm -hmm. Mary was right in saying that we all say we're going to get together for lunch, and then we never do. Yes. And we all know that that is really true, unless you make a huge effort to do that. But I remember distinctly sometime, maybe about two or three months, within the first couple of months, I want to say, after I left women's, and I was already working at uh, York Central, which is now McKenzie Health. And I felt removed from my old job and not yet in the swing of things, especially the socializing mm -hmm. with the new people. So I was a little bit adrift. Which can it, be really difficult. Which is very difficult. And you feel like, well, my old friends in my old job have all moved on and gone and done other things, or they're there doing what I was doing before. And I don't speak to them too much, but the new people don't really know me well enough yet. And for some people, I came in as the boss, not unlike what Mary would have done going yeah. into her new job. So the, the dynamics, the, the hierarchy is a little bit different. And I'm not used to being a boss. I don't like particularly being a boss. I'm much more egalitarian than that. Yeah. So how I related to the people that I was that that reported to me was was a learning curve for me as well mm -hmm. and eventually it worked out fine it was great and I loved my co-workers and I loved my job mm -hmm. but it, it it is definitely a difficult transition yeah. and it's it, again it's hard when you don't like change like mm -hmm. I can I, I like change I don't I, I actually don't mind change yeah. I I mm, I'm 50-50 mm. I kind of I really like change but I really like it when I can be in control of it Absolutely. Which is change change that you didn't initiate is not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when you can control the resulting outcome of the change. Yeah. Like the how happy you are afterwards, or your circumstances, your your surroundings afterwards. Yes. Like in this case, if Mary were to go to this new job, she would have literally no control, despite being in a in. A in higher a higher position, position as a producer. She'd have no control over how things go. She can't control whether or not people like her. She can't control whether or not she gets along with anybody. 
You have no control over that. You just have no. control over making the decision to make the change. Yes. And that's daunting. Yes. And, and scary, right? But... Well, it, and it's interesting <clears throat> when we talked before about her being taken out for the champagne breakfast and then the drink lunch and so on and so forth with all these background people that you never hear about before. Mm -hmm. So you assume that over the year, and we, we don't know if the, if their timeline is, is a real timeline or mm -hmm. this could be three years down the road, like in terms of how, how much time has there? elapsed and how long she's been there. But all these people love her enough and, and like her enough to want to uh, give her a great send-off. So... Mm -hmm. She's a very likable person. Well, the likelihood is in her new job she would be equally likable. Yeah. My assumption is that this is a passage of time that has been pretty normal. So we started in September. Yeah. And at this point it's like January in theory. So you think only this small amount of time has passed? Well, maybe. That's maybe. My, that's my assumption. I could yeah. be wrong. It doesn't yeah. look like January outside while they're filming, but it's... But we came to Christmas at a natural pace. True. So I, I, it's hard to tell what the timeline actually is. But she's it's definitely true. been there less than a year at this point. Yeah. And I mean, I've grown. That's a short time. That's a short time. For a job. For any job. Yeah. Even ones that flip quickly. Yeah. But yeah. in that short of a time at, say, the job I'm at now. Yeah. I was already very attached to my boss and, and my other coworker. That's true. Ve like, very. Because yeah. we bonded. We're a bunch yeah. of... Because it's a small office. It's a small office. There's, and so is Mary's. And so is Mary's. Yeah. But there were... There's... Myself included, there's three of us, not including the other... The the men in the office who kind of have their own side to the office who mm -hmm. really have nothing to do with us. But it was three women who are, you know, very strong-minded and opinionated and, and have very similar opinions about things and are And some outspoken similar work and, ethic. And a very similar work ethic. That's important. Yeah, so yeah. that so that goes over very well, and you really yeah. bond that way. You do. So I like I can totally believe that she would be this torn. attached, yeah, and this yeah. torn to leave. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did notice that, well, for for one, Lou really doesn't want her to leave. No, he 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 won't say the words. Please don't leave because I will miss you. Yeah, but he still kind of does say it in an indirect way. And then at the same time, like, there was uh, this one thing jumped out at me, and it's not really an issue per se. Like, it's not something that is big enough to make an issue of in this one instance. But while Mary is out for her various farewell drinkings, and they're there, they've set up the party, Lou answers her phone, or before all of that is set up, Lou answers her phone, and it's Freelander, the guy who the hired other guy. her. Yeah, the other network. And he's kind of trying to sass him a little bit, like Lou is sassing Freelander. And then he kind of pauses and goes, hey, Freelander, what does he say? You've got yourself a good girl. Mm -hmm. Which is sweet. Yeah. And then I'm drawn to the fact that he's calling her, her a, a girl. girl. I which know. is, I, I mean, and it's, I'm trying to keep it in the context of, of the day. it's the day. It's yeah. the time. Women who worked in subordinate roles were referred to as the girl. Give it to my girl. The uh, the girl can take care of that. Like, you didn't refer to women as women. There was this... No. But... And that... I don't necessarily take issue with it in this one individual moment so much as I take issue with it as a systemic problem of the day. And it's a systemic problem that we're still kind of dealing with. Like, uh, though I have some issues with her ability to vocalize problems of consent, Maya Bialik 
had who played Blossom yes. on the on the yes. hit TV show of the '90s, uh, who is on Big Bang Theory, uh, did a video several months ago about you know being in a bar and a friend of hers, a man, had addressed the girl at the bar who was really attractive, and she's kind of like, well. Who's bringing a child into this bar? And why are you looking at her like that? And like kind of and looks over to the bar and it's a fully grown woman who was being referred to as a girl. And she discusses the problematic nature of why we are of of how it's n- really problematic to keep referring to grown women as girls. It's diminutive. And it's And it's trivializing. It's highly trivializing. And so you take the power away from that very threatening girl. Exactly. Woman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we're more, you know, yeah, you don't, a, and you don't do okay. it with, you don't do it with men. No. At all. You don't refer to them as boys past a certain no, age, but past you, about 18. You really do stop. You refer to them as guys. And yes. guy, guy is a very good transition word, a yeah. very casual transition word that, that, that sort of straddles boy and man. It's very vague. It's vague. It doesn't have the connotations of boy or man. Right. But Whereas I, women don't have that. We, well, we could use the word gal. But gal is also kind of... I know, because it's been, it's been, mis, it's been misused, yeah. because it really is its equivalent. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice to have that kind of a word that doesn't have any inference, it doesn't have any connotation. It's, it's a woman of indeterminate age. Mm-hmm. It's a, a person of the female gender of indeterminate age that I'm referring to. Yeah. And it's, but it, there's no, Yeah, we don't have It's been that. spoiled. It's been totally spoiled. Yes, my gal Friday. Oh, yeah. I know. And it's a shame, but it's, yeah. but, but at the same time, is it really so hard to just refer to us as women? Like, I is it really so, it is. and those men are wrong. Yes, I would agree. And those men are wrong, full and stop. And I think it's important for us to continue nagging or gently pointing out well it's not it's not nagging it's, it's po- not nagging it's not nagging it's it's just pointing out that language matters yeah language matters each and every time mm-hmm. and holding people accountable for their for their linguistic decisions and to say well in my day we used to call women girls therefore not, it's okay therefore it's okay is not good enough no it's absolutely language not. changes with the times and with the sensibilities that we now feel strongly about mm-hmm. and I think it's very important and it's our responsibility whether you are almost 30 or over 60 mm-hmm. to continue to push for better use of the language more respectful use of the language mm-hmm. and the same thing goes for a, a consistently recurring problem with uh, use of pronouns and that desired change because that's very much an acknowledgement of autonomy and personhood Mm -hmm. and by refusing to acknowledge that it trivializes those who choose those who who want to use that the those who are non-binary or or cis are not cisgendered right and who or who identify as other ways and or or people who are queer who don't want to be called gay or lesbian you know for or, or or any various faction of that that we have to be respectful of those decisions and it's you know it's not just a white woman's issue and it's very easy for that to become kind of a part of it. That people who, you know, oh, we'll just keep calling you girl is just as bad as someone identifying as male and people refusing to refer to them as 
them or Z or or he. And that's that's hugely problematic. We mm. have to language matters. Language and, matters. And white cis men, unfortunately, have never really mm. had the burden of No, they're the they're the default. They're the default. They're, they're the, the default for factor. everything. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's incredibly important. So that's yeah. for me. Every time Lou calls her girl, it I kind know. of it jars me. I mean, I still again, I'm thinking it's 1970, 1971. There, that's when this was made. Yes. It's not to excuse the behavior in a contemporary context, no. but more specifically, it's to try and acknowledge the context in which it was created. And that is, there is a difference. There is very much a difference. And Absolutely. it's not problematic enough. He still does very much have the respect for her, as we see with the fact that he's willing to at least, you know, bluff to put his own job on the line to get her the raise that they both believe she deserves. That's right. And he fights for her. And that's... That that is huge. It is. That's very big, mm-hmm. and I think that's again, as we've said in in past episodes, it's really it's a really beautiful way of showcasing the mutual respect that they have for each other. And Lou right. really truly does respect her. And I think he must respect <clears throat> her professionally in a way for him to go to bat for her and to get her the raise. It's that's not a sentimental. It's not well. I miss you if you're gone, so I'm gonna get a raise for you. It has to be more than that because he's a very unsentimental person, or at least he comes across. Yeah, being, I was gonna he say puts he, on, he puts up he puts the facade. On, he puts up the facade, but I also think he's a shrewd enough businessman to know that if she didn't, uh, if she didn't deserve the raise based on based merit, on yeah, he wouldn't care. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't fight care. for her. No, he wouldn't fight for her. No. So, but he knows that she's good at the job. And, yeah. And and you kind of see that even just slightly hinted at when Lou says, "Well, I want to throw you a party. Who would I contact for something I know. like that?" That would be me. Me. <laughs> I like, make parties. Oh. So they show they kind of showcase her, her, um, her talents, her indispensability. Yes. And the she fact truly that, is. Well, the fact that she was recruited by another um, network mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. It's very impressive. Yeah. And so indicative of her ability. Yes. That's yeah. someone... How po- does another network know that she even exists? You were poached? Is that the right term? Yeah, she was poached. That is correct? Yeah. Even... She's not talking about eggs? That's cool? No. Okay. Or salmon. <laughs> or salmon. <laughs> well, it's good to know that Mary's an egg. Mary's an egg. She's a good egg. She's a good egg. She's that a one. good egg. A great egg. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, guys. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we'll be looking at Just a Lunch. A globetrotting journalist returns to WJM and catches Mary's eye, but she can't see beyond the fact that he's still married. Uh, Interesting. Uh, oh. Separated, yeah. but not divorced. Divorce is a four-letter word. Uh-oh. Let's see what happens. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Um, the episode will be written because I forgot to do it again this time. I'll do it uh, at the end of every episode for the next episode. The episode is directed by Bruce Bilson and will be written by James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, who are the co-creators of the show. Mm-hmm. So this will be really interesting to see how this plays out. And uh, th- again, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on the various social medias at... After All Podcast. Again, that's because I stuttered. At After All Podcast, you can find us on 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at those locations. Send us a message anywhere that you'd like. If you like what we're doing, if you don't like what we're doing, if you have any feedback, if there are certain topics that we're not discussing that you think are important that pertain to a specific episode, let us know ahead of time. And uh, maybe even for season two, because we do batch these episodes. So let us know if there's anything coming up that you want us to address. And you can send us an email as well at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on all major podcasting networks, but please do go to iTunes, hit subscribe, rate, review the show, and share us with uh, all your family and friends. And uh, until next week.